Welcome to the Cleansing Word Podcast of Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa. Join us as we go through the Bible as we encourage your walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa, visit us at cclv.org. And please share and subscribe to this podcast. Now let's hear a message from God's Word. Good evening and welcome to Calvary Chapel Lake Villa and welcome to all those listening on WLGS and possibly watching a live stream. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We will be in the book of Galatians for tonight's message, picking up where we left off last week in chapter 1 going from verses 10 through 16a. The a means we're stopping in the middle of the verse. So, please turn your Bibles there uh, right now. If you're not here last week, my name is Mike Wilson. I am a believer in Christ from Sure Foundation Church in Grays Lake. And... uh, We here at Sure Foundation are friends with Calvary Chapel, and we share the same loves and values, and therefore we are unified because of that. I'd just like to thank you for having me back this evening. I didn't go to Facebook jail after my first appearance, and that is probably good. With the resistance to the gospel online, Maybe being thrown in Facebook jail would be a good thing, like a notch on your belt, to add to the credentials as a follower follower of Christ and not a follower of man. All right, Galatians 1, 10 through 16a. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Let us pray. Lord, may you, the creator of all, bless the reading of your word, Lord. May you reach out to those that need to hear it. May your will be done. And Lord, we look forward to an eternity with you, Lord. 
As I stand here, may my words be your words. Examine my heart and all those around me. And may the Holy Spirit do his work in us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so last week we had gone through the first nine verses of Galatians. Paul introduces himself as Paul the Apostle, not sent from men, but sent from Christ. Paul has got word that the Galatian churches have been infiltrated by a group of false teachers. Paul brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Galatians prior to this writing of this letter, and now we're listening to the teachings of these false teachers. They were using a formula that was not the gospel, but were calling it that. They were saying in order to have a right relationship with God, you must have faith in Jesus plus circumcision plus following the Mosaic law. In other words, Jesus plus becoming Jewish. Paul gets serious with the Galatians because the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ was at hand. The gospel that Paul brought to the Galatians was the true gospel, and that is faith alone in Jesus Christ. Nothing added to it. These Judaizers were attacking Paul's name and Paul's teaching, saying he was self-appointed or appointed by man. Tonight we will be looking at the Apostle Paul and the beginning of his testimony. Paul gives this testimony from Galatians 1.10 all the way through Galatians 2.14. We are not getting that far tonight. And in fact, it was very hard for me just to get past verse 10. Verse 10 says Paul starts out by saying, He is here to please God and not man. And 11 and 12, he received the gospel directly from God and talks about his conversion. And then verses 13 and 14, he revisits his previous life in Judaism and how he persecuted the church beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And finally, in verses 15 through 16a, how God knew Paul in his mother's womb, called him through the glorious grace of God so that he might preach it to the Gentiles. Paul was previously Saul of Tarsus, the fire-breathing Christian killer, converted into the Apostle Paul, the Christ-loving, people-loving, God-fearing, and quite possibly the greatest witness to Christ to ever walk this planet. God calls sinners to be saved. God chooses converted man to be his way to spread the good news. And Paul was one of the best. Christ revealed himself to Paul on the road to Damascus and had a message for Paul to deliver. Paul was to be a servant of Jesus and preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And because of this, Paul is a man whose message and testimony you can trust. Life testimonies are a wonderful example of the proof of the saving power of Christ. Paul's testimony had to be one of the greatest examples of the saving power of Christ. 
Paul's testimony is, is being used here to silence all the claims of all those that don't believe his message, and he wants all the glory to point to God's amazing grace. When we read about Paul's testimony tonight, it is important to ask the question, prior to Paul following Christ, was his lifestyle pleasing to the Lord? If all Christians from all denominations believe 100% that Paul is a believer in Christ, we need to ask, why are we not following what he did in his previous life to be saved by Christ? Paul uses his testimony for the Galatians to provide a big contrast between how one really comes to know Christ and what they were, not, and what they were now following a man-pleasing list of outward actions versus God's plan of salvation through faith. What is Paul's gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, we can read it in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So one, Christ died on the cross, Christ died for our sins, Christ was buried, Christ rose again, and it was according to the scriptures, and he mentions that twice. He repeats it. And it also says, in which you stand, by which you are also saved. God showed us love first by having a plan. That plan was salvation through the sacrifice of his one and only Son, And through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, we are saved from the bondage of sin and death and eternal condemnation. And guess what? God is pleased to do this. In Galatians 15 and 16, Galatians 1, 15 and 16, But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. God is pleased to reveal his son through Paul, and God is pleased to reveal his son, Jesus, through you and through me. How awesome is that? All right, now that I got that out of me, um, Galatians 1.10, For am I seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. This is the beginning of Paul defending himself. The false teachers were attacking Paul's message and his motivation for his ministry. Before Paul's conversion, there was a time Paul did indeed seek to please man. But here and now, Paul is not a door-to-door salesman. 
trying to sell a product pleasing to man. And Paul starts out his defense with what I call questioning a person's heart. As a father, I found this to be a good technique in making my children think about what they have just done. Whether you get a verbal answer or not, it stirs up someone's heart to formulate an answer, at least in their head. Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, he asks the Galatians, or am I striving to please men? I'm not just repeating those questions. As I stand up here tonight, you should be asking those very questions about me or anyone that teaches the Bible, and even about yourself. All things in a believer's life should be examined through this question. Am I trying to please man, or am I trying to please God? Paul says he is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. A bondservant is a slave. In this day and age, the word slave is bad. We only think about the poorly treated people in the past. Even saying we are servants to our employers is a bad thing. We all probably have had good bosses and bad bosses. Same with slavery. The Bible tells us that Philemon, a Christian brother, had slaves. One in particular, Onesimus. And Philemon loved Onesimus. And Onesimus shares in the same blessings as Philemon. They both look up to Christ. My dad was a golf course superintendent. He was the boss of many that worked and served him seven days a week on the golf course. He, uh, well, we all lived, we lived on the golf course. They gave us a house to live on the golf course. So it was really 24 hours, seven days a week for my own dad. It was somewhat of a slavery, I guess you could say. Most of his crew stayed for decades. My dad was a good boss that knew what he was doing. He treated the men well. And it was a happy servanthood for his men. When I was a teenager, I worked for him and looked up to him. I once said to him, uh, I once said to him, I want to be the boss, Dad. And he said, if I had a choice, he'd still be sitting on the mower that I was sitting on and being told what to do seven days a week and punch out on the time clock at the end of each day. What my dad was trying to say is it's much easier to be a servant to a good, caring, responsible boss than to be and to be told what to do, to trust and obey the boss, to do your work throughout the day and not try to be your boss. The boss takes responsibility for all the servant's failures and mistakes as his own. The boss has to answer and please man. In my dad's case, it was a board. And that weight and burden is really, really heavy. 
There's two things I'm trying to say here about my dad's story. One, you can have a happy slavery if the boss is good, loving, and kind. Paul, and along with all believers, have a boss, a master, a Lord that is perfect in every aspect. Why should slavery or servanthood be a bad thing with a wonderful, perfect, merciful, gracious God? The other point is my dad had to please men. It really wore him out. Man is never satisfied and will never come close to the mercy of God. It proved to be quite the burden and ultimately forced him into retirement. Jesus Christ took the burden and wait for us on the cross. To those that believe, look back at your previous life. How much easier is it just to follow Christ than to follow man? To live life by your own hand or by a list of rules and traditions made up by man. Here in Galatians 1.10 and in many other letters, Paul is happy to say he is a bondservant to Christ. It is a happy slavery to trust and obey Christ, the perfect master that will never ever lead us astray. And it takes all and he takes all the burden of our sins upon his shoulders. Paul serves God and does not serve man. Paul is claiming his identity in Christ. Where does his motivation come from for his actions? Christ. Man's approval or disapproval doesn't matter to Paul. When we find our identity in God and serve the Lord, everything just seems to fall in place. The Judaizer's identity was in man or man's traditions that have been practiced for centuries. They most likely believed and told others to believe that it was necessary to continue in tradition. How many of you have heard this has been done this way for years and will continue to be done for many years to come this way? Or my father did it this way and my grandfather did it this way and his father did it this way and so forth. Whatever the tradition is, it doesn't necessarily make it right because it's been done for years or just because it has been done by people we love or look up to. Jesus points out just how silly and wrong it is to follow tradition and man's law. In Luke 14, 1-6, it happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. And there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Dropsy is edema. It's a swelling caused by excessive water, um, possibly a condition of liver disease or kidney disease, and can lead to heart failure. So this is kind of serious here. And Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent, and he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, 
Which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could make no reply to this. The Pharisees' heartless actions to not heal on the Sabbath showed they only please men. Jesus' actions reflected God's compassion and love of helping others in need. If you truly love God and love others, it will be an automatic response to want to help one another. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. Paul was approved by God and trusted Paul to faithfully preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If God examines our hearts, it would be absolutely foolish for man to change the message of Jesus Christ to please other men. Man cannot be a man-pleaser and a God-pleaser at the same time. And Jesus says in Luke 16, 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Nobody can give their full devotion to two masters. Galatians 1.11 For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Paul says here that his message does not come from man. It was not something he made up. It is not some religion on how to have a distant or non-existent relationship with God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a way to have a real intimate relationship with God. God loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. It was God's effort to come down here and want to have a relationship with us. Man had a big problem. God is holy and man is sinful. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only way to have a relationship with a holy God is to obey the law 100% or forgiveness through Jesus Christ. By a show of hands here, how many of you can obey the law 100%? No one. The book of John gives an account of a crowd condemning a woman caught in sin. In John 8, 7, Jesus said, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And the whole crowd left. The only way we could have a right relationship with God was if we had a Savior, the one that came down from the heavens and lived as a man, and only man, and only man, and he is the only man that followed the law perfectly, 100%. So why does man constantly want a message from the best of the best of the best of man? Well, the best man doesn't even come close to the teachings of Christ. And Paul says this, 
For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul got his message directly from God himself. He is saying that the message from the Judaizers is not from God. Now, if this is a lie, if Paul didn't get this from God himself, he has already said in verse 5, he will be accursed or condemned to hell. 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Paul brought the true gospel from God and the Judaizers brought a gospel from man. The gospel from man is not really a gospel. It is a way to have their ears tickled. It is a way to satisfy itchy ears. What does that mean? Simply put, to entertain or to satisfy their own desires. Man has a selfish nature to him and has many fleshly desires. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the opposite of selfishness. It doesn't look desirable to the selfish. Therefore, they look for a group or a congregation or a pastor that caters or suits their own desires or needs. It all leads back to love of self. When Jesus was asked by a scribe, a scribe is a Jewish lawmaker or a lawyer, he asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, the, for, the foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So, please tell me, in all of that that I just read, where is there any time in the day to love yourself and to satisfy your desires? A believer in Christ desires to please God, and therefore their desires become God's desires. Paul received his message not from self or man, but from God. And in Galatians 1.13, he says, For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Galatians 1.14, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen. Being, extremely, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Paul is reminding the Galatians that he was in Judaism way, way, way more deeper than any of them. We can read, about, read in the book of Acts to further understand Paul's depth of Judaism. Acts 22, 3-5, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. And Philippians 3, 4-6, through 6, 
Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. Paul is saying if anyone should be able to boast, he should. He is a true Israelite whom was circumcised according to the law. He was chosen to be a Pharisee. Outwardly, he lived righteously according to men and the law and was blameless before men. And he persecuted the Christian church beyond measure. These Jewish men measured their commitment to God and Israel through their persecution of other religions. Paul did that to great extent, murdering Christians. Here in Galatians verse 13, he said he went beyond measure and tried to destroy the Christian church. So his heredity, his heredity and achievements as a Jew were not marginal, and Paul did not fail at being a Jew. In fact, he excelled to the highest standards. Acts 9, 1 through 7, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Why is this important? Well, right before, before Paul's conversion, he was doing absolutely nothing that was pleasing to God. Everything was to please his fellow man. He was on his way to go arrest more Christians. There are so many denominations and religions today that claim the way to God is attempting to please him through rituals and actions. That by doing good by man's standards, pleases a holy God. What does Paul say? Paul says in Philippians 3, 7, But whatever these things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And then he goes on in verse 8, Philippians 3, 8, More than that, I count all things to be loss in the view of of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Three times it says Christ is his goal in those two verses. He counts his previous life achievements, traditions, and heredity, heredity as rubbish, as they did not bring him to salvation in Christ. It is impossible to hold on to his previous loves and values and have Christ. He could not serve two masters. Here, Paul is screaming out the lyrics from the song, Better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. There has to be some point in everyone's life 
where they finally realize all their sin has been against the holy God and that nothing they can do, no ritual, no practice, and no tradition can make up for that. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul does not give his testimony, but he refers to it. And we can read it, read all about it in Acts 9, uh, 3 through 8. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who were traveling, who traveled with him, stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he, couldn't, he could see nothing. And leading him by hand, they brought him into Damascus. So, in verse 15, Paul says he was set apart. And in Romans 1.1, he says he was set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says he was set apart even from my mother's womb. It literally sounds like a physical procedure God did during the conception of Paul in his mother's womb. Verse 15 also says, Paul was called by God through his grace, or or he is called by God through God's kindness and love. That's what grace means. And it gave God great pleasure to do this. It delighted the Lord. Now, I know this sounds odd, but the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead by the Lord Jesus is a great example of how we come to know Christ. So listen up here. John eleven thirty nine. Jesus said, Remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead for four days. And before we come to Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.1 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Prior to knowing Christ, we are a stinking corpse of sin. John 11.40 Jesus said to Martha, Did I not say to you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. So did you catch that? He said, did you or he said, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, and a dead man came to life through the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. God had a plan for Paul from the womb. Paul and his sin nature had other plans. 
God revealed His Son to Paul in Galatians 1.16 to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. Paul was the chief prosecutor, persecutor of the Christians. What greater testimony to show the transformation of God's love through us than to take Paul, a blameless man among men, a legalistic Christian murdering man and a high-ranking Jew to preach to the Gentiles. The Jews really did not like the Gentiles. They were considered somewhat the scum of the earth. They would not eat with them, and they did not like them so much that the Jewish midwives were not allowed to help the Gentile women give birth. There was actually a law against it. Why? Because that would be bringing another Gentile to life. God called Paul, a devout Pharisee and hater of Gentiles, to love and minister to the Gentiles, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. I don't know a greater contrast in the Bible better to explain what the greatest commandment is. Love God and love thy neighbor. So, when I first came to know the Lord, I changed my email address to ontheroadtodamascus at gmail.com. I understood Paul and his testimony. It was, and it was 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that actually got me. It gives us instruction on how to walk and please God. It pointed out my wrongdoings and my sin. I was convicted and guilty of my trespasses. And then when I got to 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 through 8, it really hit me. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. That was it. I believed. My legs went to jello and I ran outside. I cried out to the Lord, admitted all my sin was against God. And all I could do in response was ask for forgiveness of my sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. That day I accepted Christ into my life and my life was turned 180 degrees in the opposite direction, just like Paul's. From a life full of bondage of many sins to freedom in Christ. I didn't quit doing the things I used to do. I had already tried to quit many, many times. You could say I could not uphold the law. It was a couple decades of excessive addictions. Sex, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, violent behavior, fighting, Excessively fast cars, money, fame, it was all gone in the blink of an eye. In no way was I working to try to please God with my own works, rituals, or traditions prior to this. God said it was time, and God had a plan for me since the womb. The Lord raised my rotten corpse from the dead and gave me life. By worldly standards, I lived the perfect bachelor life. I had it all. But it left me empty and miserable. 
My whole life prior to Christ is rubbish. God's love for me set me free, and He called me to follow Him. My love for Him grows as my faith grows, watching all the things He does around me. When I get to this part of my testimony, it feels like a warm blanket has been put around me after weathering a cold, nasty blizzard for many, many years. 2 Thessalonians 2.16, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. On the road to Damascus, God called me and Paul. The testimony of the Apostle Paul was that on the road to Damascus, the Lord revealed himself to Paul, knocked him off his horse, and from that day forth Paul was a believer in Jesus Christ. Not by his works, but by the glorious grace of God. All of Paul's opposition to Christ prior to meeting Christ actually further confirms the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, in Paul's day and to the, and to the present, Paul's message was a message from a man you can trust. Paul asked the Galatians to examine him, to look back at his life and see that the law did not lead a right relationship with God. To see the transformation from murderer of Christian people to loving them and willingly die for them. Christ wants you to know that no one is so good that they don't need the gospel. And no one is so bad that they can't receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you question the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can start by questioning your own heart. Paul's message came directly from God. Does your gospel message come directly from Jesus Christ and the Word of God, or does it come from man? Is your message from yourself or another person? Are you living by a list of laws that cannot be kept? Who are you living to please, God or yourself? Or are you living to please other men? Man has blind faith in things like the lottery. They believe they will win, otherwise they wouldn't buy a ticket. Where does that come from? Although I can't put on one of those white lab coats and prove faith in Jesus Christ in the physical, there are many real-life testimonies that you can see all around you. Therefore, it is not blind faith to believe in the saving power of Jesus Christ. Matthew 25:21 says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. In the end, on our final day, when we sit in the judgment seat, there are certain things Jesus will not say. Jesus will not say, Well done, successful servant. Your works will get you into heaven. He will not say, well done, good and productive servant. You did so much for me. No. Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful. That's what he asks of us. 
If you have not answered God's gracious call, don't wait. In Matthew 7.21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And uh, since Pastor John has not been up here to say this, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Believe, receive, grow, and go. So uh, whenever he says that I got a boxing combination that I like to imagine in my head, it's believe, receive, grow, and go. And it, okay, so I had to let that one out. Paul liked boxing too, so. Uh, so believe, Hebrews 11.6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone, oh, I lost, oh. Anyone who, man, <laughs> I'm really messing up tonight. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Receive, Romans 5.17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Grow. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all the glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. And go, Matthew 28.19-20 Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments, commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Have faith from your heart that Christ died for you and paid the penalty for your sin and be saved. Well, John, I kind of messed that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this lesson in Galatians. Lord, thank you for your son dying on the cross for us. Lord, we could have never, ever made up for the penalty of our sin, Lord. Therefore, we ask for forgiveness in your son. Lord Jesus, we love you and adore you. We thank you so much. And Lord, we pray that we are not pleasing to men, that we are working each day to be a better servant to you and please you and you alone, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, please stand. I will give the benediction and then you may go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' name I pray this, amen.